welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. I am your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Las Vegas, Nevada is Matthew Morris. What is up, dude? Hell of a weekend out there in Vegas. Yeah, we really uh, we really had a... We sent it, and we also made the best, I feel yeah, like, awesome. of the give or take 48 hours you were in town, right? Just yeah. two days. Um, hell of a Sunday. I think we enjoyed that. Yesterday was unbelievable. I uh, probably drank more than I should have to really actually enjoy the game, but you got to send it every once in a while. And uh, yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, Vegas will do that to you. I'll do that to you too now that I have a kid, you know, yep. coming in with the lady. I'm actually on vacation. Woke up, had a beer, ate food, had a beer, you know, was, it was, it was ready to go. But also like, I don't know, Las Vegas and that stadium and just game day environment down there. It, it I don't know, just get someone like me going, dude. And you know what? I don't regret it. It is what it is. Uh, we had an awesome, awesome time down at Allegiant at the Packer game Monday night. Packers didn't look good. But you and I, I think, are more realistic Packer fans than it felt like a lot of people that we were talking to. And then what you see online every day on Twitter, uh, we, we kind of know who our team is. And it was just really fun to be in that stadium to our listeners out there. Personally, me, someone who lives in California, not like you, who's local. I'd recommend going to Allegiant. I thought the stadium was cool. I thought it was clean. I thought the access in via either shuttles, people walking, being down on the strip, um, was super simple and easy. And I honestly, I thought the field in the overall atmosphere for a Raider game was, it, it was awesome. I, I've got nothing but positives to stay to say for Allegiant. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I think I, I have the same takeaways. Um, I think I also really dislike the Raiders now. And again, I was really drunk and I tend to get on one when I'm drinking. Those of you that uh, <laughs> don't actually know me or haven't been around me when I've, when I've been drinking, um i like that i like being at a stadium where i don't like the opposing fan base and it's not like they necessarily did anything wrong i was just like in my opinion i was like you know this is a very transient city there are more packer fans here than there are raider fans right now that was my perspective it could have been 50 50 but i just feel like that's what this organization is always going to be and that's okay this is going to be the city where everybody wants to come out to vegas see their team root for their team and that's gonna be a big challenge for the Raiders to actually overcome because if you think about it that's almost taking home field advantage away every single game and I'm really interested to see how as an organization as they really try and build into a competitive nature here uh, and in a new era without Carr, what they do to, to kind of bind this fan base together but I had a great time. Uh, I think the shuttle, like you said, was fantastic. I think the ability to pregame at a casino and then you know hit the pregame right before you walk into the gates, all of it was just an excellent experience. Uh, overall, I'd give it like yeah nine, nine out of 10 for our overall football yeah. experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The only thing that'd be cool is if there was tailgating, but it's like as we walked through the parking lot with no cars there with our little group that we had, we were all in agreement. It's like, it's fucking Vegas. Like Vegas is a tailgate. Like no matter what yep. you're doing, where you're going to, you're, like we, we were at, like you mentioned, we, we were at a casino, 20 minute shuttle ride to the stadium. Like it was chill, dude. We were ready, ready to go. Had lost a little bit on the tables, like placed the bets on the Packers and all that stuff. It was great. Um, yeah, I'd agree. I'm up there nine, 10 out of 10. Um, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So any any of you listeners out there considering watching your team on the road anywhere, especially if you're on the West Coast, like me in California, super simple flight from pretty much anywhere. Um, highly recommend it. It was great. Uh, you were tuned up. So was I, though. That, that, that's that's all part of the fun. Um, 
I guess we can get into the game. We'll start with the Packers first, and then we can get into the less the the rest of our list that we have for the podcast here today. Look, man, I talked about it a little bit when we started. It's just it's a young team, and the Packers over under was set at seven and a half wins this year. They're gonna fall hopefully right around there. Now, once again, I was really, really happy that I saw this game in person. And I think for the rest of the season, it's going to give me good perspective on how we analyze other teams when you're watching the red zone or when you're watching Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, whatever it is, is the TV copy obviously doesn't tell you the whole story. And you pop on Twitter afterwards and everyone's coming for Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love. And it's this guy's fault. Fire this one. I think the Packers are a perfect example of a young team right now that is just going through some serious growing pains. Now, there are red flags with the fact that the offense has looked bad four games in a row. Realistically, they struggled at the end of that Atlanta game, which ended up losing them the game. Um, they looked terrible against New Orleans, except for the last three possessions. And then against the Lions last week on Thursday night, they looked terrible. And then once again, against the Raiders looked really bad. And that that to me is the biggest red flag right now with Green Bay. It doesn't seem that there's making any improvements. And I, I personally think that's on Matt LaFleur. And I think the simple solution from a guy on a podcast here, right? Like nothing crazy is that they need to get their, their receivers and Jordan Love and rhythm early. Nice little screen pass, slants, throws over the middle, quick shots. Not this play action, go down the field right off the bat. They need to get these guys in rhythm because it's coming to the third, fourth quarter, and there's no chemistry. No one's on the same page, and Love, uh, Love's making bad decisions out there as well, but I think they just need to start getting little wins at the beginning of the game and creating that chemistry, and we'll see some improvements from the offense, but that's all Matty LaFleur in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to throw some stats at you that I don't have 100% um, certain are like guaranteed factual stats they're just like Hell concepts yeah. the that i'm taking from uh, the nfl show that you and i were listening to yesterday i listened to their recap this morning on when i was doing errands and jordan coming into this game was either the best or in the top echelon of passing quarterbacks of throws beyond 20 yards or more in the nfl in this game he was two of six with two interceptions and i think this was just through this is ahead of in the full game um and again watching the game was kind of a challenge because i was pretty drunk but i was still trying to monitor certain <laughs> things that like i could really take away and like talk about today and i have a question for you first ellen jenkins was not in the game correct Nah, he was playing he was he was playing yesterday okay oh, yeah. um runyon today rated out as the one of the top uh guards this week zero pressures allowed uh that was pretty impressive but my big takeaway for this team yesterday in comparison to let's put week one's performance as the kind of the, the flagpole, um, you don't have Aaron Jones. And right. I think that starts everything for this team. You can't throw 20 or more yards when the opposing defense knows five guys in the box is going to stop A.J. Dillon because it is. He's going to run into his own players. He's going to trip on his own feet. He actually had a pretty good game, but he's yeah. not dynamic. I thought he looked, yeah, I thought he looked good yesterday. He, he, he looked good as a running back, but he's not dynamic. And Aaron Jones is that dynamic piece that changes the way the defense is going to play. And then taking away your left tackle is monumental for this entire team. The loss of David Bakhtiari from where we were supposed to go to where we are, we are now going 
is going to be a huge piece in this. You have a very young offensive line. You have a banged up Elton Jenkins. John Runyon might have to now slide to tackle if Jenkins doesn't. You have a bad center. Um, there are holes all over the offensive line, but Bakhtiari was supposed to be with Jenkins, the left side, the blind side for Jordan. And not having that, I think, is really the big reason Max Crosby had such an incredible game yesterday and really threw Jordan off rhythm. And the last piece to this is we came into the season, I came into the season thinking that we had weapons for Jordan. And I still think we have potential weapons for Jordan. I don't think we're necessarily using them right. I also think we have to understand that these guys were elevated by Aaron Rodgers. We cannot expect them to go out and play at the same level they were last year because they do not have Aaron throwing them the ball. And I think it's a big time problem when you look at that last play of the game last night where uh, Jordan threw the interception and Watson had burned the DB off the line. It, was, it should have been an easy touchdown, throw it to him immediately, get it done. But all game, Jordan had been getting pressure from Max Crosby. I don't blame him for just throwing that up as a jump ball. Now, he again, it should have probably been more of a fight, but he didn't have he didn't have any ability to to contest that that ball. It was it was pretty easily intercepted. Um, and the last takeaway again is Aaron Jones. This team needs to understand that AJ Dillon is not a suitable backup. They need to have dynamic playmakers in that backfield from one to three. You should be able to plug in your third string running back, and he should still be able to facilitate even mightily. And right now, we have two running backs, and we have a a blocking running back. That's really all we have when Jones isn't in there. Yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree with you. We're seeing some of that stuff, like on that last play to Watson, is a gripe you and I had about him coming out of the draft, right? Yeah. Was he wasn't great in contested catches. He was one of the highest drop rates in all college, right? Like he's a burner. He's not, you know, he, he's not Devonte Adams. He's not Randy Moss. He's not, you know, Jordy Nelson, honestly, like he's going to blow by you and use his athleticism. His hands are not his biggest strength, which was our biggest concern, right? It's not a knock on him. It's just kind of the truth. Um, which is also why it's a bit ludicrous that you hear Colin Coward on TV today say that he believes loves a backup. I think for the Packers, I think for other teams that we'll talk to a little bit later on, Washington, Atlanta, with some of these young, early quarterbacks, dude, you got to give them this whole season. You got to give them 13, 14 games before I'll go. I'll come on the pod and say loves a backup. I definitely will when the time is right, but we're not there yet. We got to see what happens. He looked great. Two, three weeks ago against New Orleans, he was the next greatest thing. He was leading the league in touchdowns and all this stuff. It's a week-to-week league. I think the Packers will be fine. They have a bunch of rookies, dude. Like, they're literally the youngest roster in the NFL. Reed, Musgrave, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. Like, dude, these guys, they've played a season at most. Like, this is going to happen. They're going to look bad. It is what it is, man. Well, now, I said to you that ball should have been Romeo's. That that's my big yeah. takeaway. That that ball should have been Romeo's. I think Romeo at least gives Jordan a shot at, at at winning the football game. Completely different narrative. This is very similar to the Saints, where it's like, damn, he had two picks and he came back and on the road, hostile environment. Like Romeo makes the catch. Like very big narrative change. If you just take one player out, plug another one in, and he can actually do the job. Um, that that's I interrupted. And I'm sorry. That that's no, big he- for me. No, you're good. I was just going to switch to the Raiders, and that's and that's a fine take, too, because, like, to your point, one thing changes. Marcus Peters made the play of the game on the horse collar tackle. 
Like that yeah. was a touchdown to Watson to my point, like using his athleticism, catching that ball, getting by Peters, Peters horse calls, callers him. They only get three points. They end up losing, you know, whatever. Um, the Raiders are an interesting team, man. They are, they're an NFL purgatory right now because they are this show in Vegas, right? They have the big names. They have Devonte Adams, Josh Jacobs, Jimmy Garoppolo, right on the defensive side of things. They got Max Crosby. They've got Marcus Peters, right? You and I both like him, but they're just at a constant state of average. You know, they have zero team chemistry. They have zero identity, similar to the Packers. What won them the game yesterday was just a really, really dumb boneheaded mistakes, dumb and boneheaded mistakes by Jordan Love at the end of the day. Three interceptions is what cost him. Um, at least the Packers have something to look forward to. I think Adams and Raider fans know there's no forward future outlook for this team. And that's got to be a little concerning, you know, and I like the team. I think they're fine. I like Adams. I like Jacobs, but they're not going anywhere. And I don't see an end in sight where it's like this team could actually compete in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they had a hard time beating a very young, very bad Green Bay team. I don't think there's any way to really look at it differently last night than Green Bay right now is a bad team. Um, they're yeah. a developing team. You know, they're, they're working on building competitive uh competitive roster competitive nature moving forward and like solidifying roles and getting more experience the raiders beat them by four points it's embarrassing you have you have the league leading rusher from last year you have arguably the best wide receiver currently one of the best in this generation still in his prime you have a very very good rookie tight end who had a great game last night um And you have one of the best rush ends in the entire league, and you couldn't beat us by more than four points. And I will put that on McDaniels. And I think that is the most concerning part of the entire Raiders organization right now is the fact that they aren't going anywhere fast, and their head coach isn't helping. He should have gone for it on fourth down. There's no question of that. Kick the field goal, missed it, you know, whatever. You go for it on fourth down. You seal the game right there. You give it to Jacobs. He's been effective all day, and you move forward. And yet he decides to kick a field goal. If he had even made it, they're up seven. And you give Jordan Love the opportunity to march down type game. Everything he does with this team, I have concerns over. I think it, I think Jordan Love not hitting that touchdown at the end saved his job, which I think is one of the worst things for the organization because they need to move on. They need to move forward in a different direction than Josh McDaniels. I did not see enough uh, creativity last night from his offense. And at the end of the day, we've seen Jimmy G in the absolute perfect system in the NFL with the 49ers, and he wasn't enough. So when you say purgatory, they absolutely are because there is no quarterback coming to save this organization anytime soon. It's just going to be a revolving door of the Jimmy G's, maybe the Kirk Cousins. You know, maybe you get blessed and Aaron Rodgers gets traded over there because Zach Wilson figures it out. Sure, there's opportunity, but. This team is, they're in trouble. And I think the biggest problem is they're in a market where they're they're not really allowed to ever rebuild. You need to be competitive in this market. You need to sell tickets. You need to keep the momentum that the organization has built by opening this stadium here in Vegas. And in order to do so, you're going to have to tread water every single season. And I think the only way they break through that is by bringing in a, a Mike McDaniels kind of mind. Uh, and And I don't know where that is because, you know, that's that's the entire premise of every team's searching for is the next great head coach. Like they need that. 
They need the offensive scheme. They need the the culture builder, and McDaniel's is not the guy. Yeah, and uh, th- that kind of goes to what we talked about two or three pods ago, and we were talking about the boomers, right? Like this is the this is the ebb and flow of that. This is the opposite. This is the Matt Lafleur and Josh McDaniels are trending towards just being better coordinators than leaders because you see that I totally agree with you. What a boneheaded move to not go for it on fourth down there. Why? Like, well, they literally made no sense in the week before uh, they kicked the field goal down. Like they were down. I don't know. It, it would put them down four when they could have gone for it to tie the game against, um, or I think it was the Steelers. They were playing on Monday night or Sunday night. And there's just time and time after again with McDaniels. There's time and time again with Matt LaFleur and his decision-making and poor, poor coaching and clock management down the stretch where it's like, man, maybe you should just only be focusing on playing on, on play calls, right? You should not be focusing on leading the team. And um, we'll see because that's where guys like Belichick and, you know, you see all these people in our comments about uh, Mike McCarthy still being good. They're better coaches than play callers more often than not. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Um, let's move on. So a couple things here, we, we can jump to the Vikings. So the first thing, big news today, or is yesterday today, whenever it came out is that Justin Jefferson is going to move to the IR, which is really putting the Vikings in a super interesting spot. Talking about quote unquote purgatory. I think the Vikings are in a much better spot than the Raiders because they have the opportunity to just scrape it, right? Like, hey, we're going to build our entire offense around this kid, Justin Jefferson. We're going to have to move on from Kirk Cousins. We're going to build this defense back from the ground up, let Harrison Smith ride off into the sunset and really, you know, create a new identity with Brian Flores over there. Um, Which brings up the segment here is just, I personally think it's time for the Minnesota Vikings to really, really start thinking about shopping Kirk Cousins now before losing him in the offseason for nothing because their season is frankly pretty much over. They're not going to make a playoff run. They're probably not going to make the playoffs and Kirk cousins. Isn't going to resign with them next year because if I'm the Minnesota Vikings, I'm not resigning Kirk cousins to a long-term deal at 36 years old, knowing you have to pay Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think it's, in my opinion, it's a foregone conclusion that Cousins is gone. And I, and I think this gives them the opportunity by moving him, as you brought up, to really protect their loss record. And I know teams absolutely don't like to tank for the most part, especially Vikings fans. Like you haven't had to tank in so many years to rebuild your organization. But this is the opportunity. Jefferson's out. He's probably by himself with a bad quarterback going to get you two wins a season, maybe more, but I think two is safe. He's out four games. Okay. If you can trade Kirk while he's out and substitute Kirk for anybody else, it's going to be more difficult for you to win games. You're looking at a three, four win Vikings team. That's going to be in contention for one of these quarterbacks that has actual talent coming out in this big, heavy quarterback class. This is the time. This was this was the absolute monumentous need for this Vikings team this season. I just didn't think they were going to be this bad. And they're putting themselves in the sweepstakes for one of these good quarterbacks. But in order to do so, you got to move on from Kirk because he also will probably find a way to get you to five, six wins. He's in a pretty bad division. He's going to beat up on the Bears and the Packers the rest of the season, probably with Jefferson. But if he's gone, those games become toss-ups. And I think it's in a better situation for the Vikings to go ahead and push the narrative of a, of a full tank. 
Yeah, I agree. And and it's easy for them to keep stretching out Jefferson from coming back then too, right? Like yep. there's no pressure for him to come back in five weeks. You know, if it's like, hey, we're still a little banged up, whatever it might be, it's like, okay, we'll keep practicing. Um, you know, you keep sitting out for the next few weeks. Uh, I, I just think it's inevitable. And well, you know, of course, we can't just be sitting here and making takes and be like, oh, they should trade him. This is who I have mapped out as my this is my logic before I map out my teams for you is like realistically, the Vikings are still trying to be competitive. They're still, tra- still trying to get value. We talked about a trade value for Justin Fields. Cousins is right around that same area because in my, right now, Cousins is better than Fields as a quarterback. Don't fight me on it. It's I don't think that should be a hot take. But the money thing, right? They're going to have to pay him pretty close to top dollar wherever he's going to go, right? He's also a little bit older. So, you know, he's probably going to warrant second round draft pick, right? Second round draft pick, maybe two of them, maybe two in a third, whatever it might be. So they're going to want to get some good value, but they're also going to want to trade to a team in the AFC. I still don't see them going and trading to a team in the NFC and having to see Cousins eventually in the playoffs or definitely something in their division. Obviously, I don't think they would do that. So for me, you think about it, AFC West, we talked about the Raiders. Maybe they've got a lot of money allocated. Everyone else in the AFC West is already locked in at quarterback, even Denver, right? They're out. You look at the AFC North, they're locked in all their quarterbacks. They're out. So then it leads you to the AFC East and the AFC South. And there's two glaring teams to me. The AFC East, easy. New England. And I think New England is the perfect trade partner map for Minnesota for two reasons. One, they have cap space. Two, they have good leadership. And three, I think it benefits the Vikings giving Cousins and taking Mac Jones in return this season. Because worst case scenario, they can keep playing Mac Jones on the rookie contract, see what he has in Minnesota. And then if they do draft one of these guys here in this upcoming draft, they have at least a competent backup in Mac Jones. Whereas the Patriots, it's hot out there right now in the AFC East, and you need a good quarterback to compete in that division against Buffalo, uh, against the Miami Dolphins, and then the Jets, right? Even with that defense or with Rodgers. I think the perfect marriage is in New England, the second one, and I think this one's a little bit more of a wild card, and I don't know the money and the logistics of it, but if I'm the Titans, I'm calling them up because seeing what Tannehill was able to do this past weekend against a bad secondary, if you put Kirk Cousins in there over Tannehill with Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Derrick Henry, I think they actually have a real shot to win that AFC South. Yeah, I like I like the Titans fit a lot more. I think there are just so many holes and question marks with that Patriots team that this is a need for a full rebuild. And I think that full rebuild will be Bill Belichick either stepping down or being removed from the role. And I have concerns whether or not they can develop the young quarterback that they I, I intend imagine undrafting because at this point, I think Mac isn't the answer as you just spoke on. But Tennessee would be really exciting. Uh, he gets a running back and that running game gets to reemerge, right? We talked about that in the Viking struggles this year. Like, what can you really expect when they came into the season with Madison as their starting running back, trading for Akers, who has had his own trouble? And now Jefferson goes down. <clears throat> you have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Derrick Henry. You have a very good head coach who gets his defense to show up every single week. And Kirk Cousins, when he was presented with a decent defense, is a winning quarterback in this league. He has proven that. I think the Titans still have an opportunity to turn this season uh, around with Richardson's injury this past weekend. 
Totally. Sure, CJ Shroud is is playing very well, but I think we also saw with their loss to Atlanta that they're going to be very similar to the Packers, which is week-to-week developmentally, um, sometimes looking really fun and exciting, but just not ready yet. And then you have the Jaguars, who in all intents and purposes probably will win this division. But if yep. you acquire Kirk, it becomes more of a conversation now. And I'm more interested in watching Titans games with Kirk under center because I think it is a massive upgrade over Ryan Tannehill. And I've never really loved Kirk Cousins, but I think you put him on that team. It's the perfect opportunity for Tennessee to say, hey, we've got three, four seasons now to really have a competitive nature. Or maybe it's just two where you really ride out Hopkins and Cousins together. Because I don't know that they're sold on the backups that they draft in the last couple of years. And I think Kirk is going to be better than anything that they can present outside of Tannehill. I agree. And not not to mention Hopkins, but also Derrick Henry. Like he he's in the sunset of his prime. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing it, right? The kid who backs him up is looking better than him at the moment. Now, Tennessee, we haven't really done a deep dive on them. They're long story short, their O line sucks, which hurts for a guy like Derrick Henry, but Henry can really, really only keep it going for another two more seasons max as well. And with the salary cap in their contracts right now, yeah, I, I'm starting to lean with you. I, I still think the Patriots are better because, like you said, they don't dra- um, they don't develop young quarterbacks. And I think Cousins and Belichick, for some reason, would just fit beautifully. Um, it just seems like they'd be a good pair. But yeah, man, I, I think if I'm the Titans, I'm calling them up, man, because Tannehill, we all know what you're getting with Tannehill. He's a bottom half quarterback. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a DeAndre Hopkins homer. I still think he has top 10 receiver talent. No problem. Um, they just don't have a good system and a good quarterback. Now, I also thought, Matt, I was like, okay, who are some teams that like we're expecting to draft a quarterback this year? A team that comes up is Atlanta, right? The Washington Commanders, two teams that popped up in my head right away. And this got me thinking similar to the Packers stuff is like, what what are your thoughts on just letting Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter play out this entire season? Is that a benefit or a deterrent for those two franchises? I think you really have to look at yourselves and sit down at the table and say, what are our expectations? And I think if you're honest for both of those organizations, it's just to be competitive every single week and to allow allow your team to continue to develop. Now, that's a lot easier said than done for Atlanta because they're a young team, almost all the way across the board from that defense to that offense. It's a little harder of a conversation when you talk about Washington because for the most part, they have expiring contracts and Chase Young, who's very big potential to leave town because they didn't exercise that option. Um, You have three other players on that defensive line who you're paying a lot of money to. And then you have three wide receivers who are possibly above average with Samuel being the third. I think this is the opportunity for them to make a splash and completely change what around the narrative. But at the end of the day, they still have to go up against the Eagles. They still have to go up against the Cowboys. I still think with Kirk Cousins, they're the third best team in that division. Totally. I think they could maybe push Dallas at this point with the injuries that Dallas has had. I mean, every single week we're losing a starter for Dallas, and that's going to make things difficult. Um, But I think you also said it perfectly. Are the Vikings willing to trade him within the NFC? If you give up at least one second, maybe. Um, I just think teams right now, especially these teams that are kind of circling the drain of, uh, of uncertainty, 
are going to be hard pressed to give up a second round pick because the second round pick right now is looking like a very productive NFL starter um, and 36 year old quarterback that hasn't really been able to, to push over the hump. It might be a hard sell for me to, to say, I'm going to give you a second round for him. Totally. Cause you could just like the Eagles strike lightning in a bottle yep. <clears throat> with a Jalen hurts in the second round. He falls, you develop him, you get him in there with Bienemy. Get him with Dotson, McLaurin, and we like Howell, right? Like this isn't like a shitting on him, but as we're seeing more and more games, it's trending like he's not going to be a franchise quarterback, which is where I bring the question. You know, is just is it worse for them to keep going with these guys or to make the splash? At this point, I, I think it's worth it to keep going with these guys. They, and it's funny this week. Ritter and Howell were the in the top three for yards, uh, yards in week five were yards passing. And it's just interesting that you can get stats like that from those guys, you know, out dueling most of the NFL, the Patrick Mahomes is of the world. But at the end of the day, these rookie contracts are almost more valuable than the Kirk Cousins out there. And that's that's what's really, really intriguing about where these teams that are. How'd you how'd you classify them for what we're going to talk about the uncertainty teams like Yep. There's a lot with promise, like where you're like, like the bears, you know, we can get, we can start there. The bears, you're feeling good about where they're at, even though they're garbage. Cause you can look at next year and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But then you look at a team like the New York giants, that tunnel literally looks like it's never going to end. Well, and I, I think let's address the bears first and foremost. Um, you know, change the narrative after the DJ Moore, Justin Fields performance. And I think finally gave the Bears fans some hope that this could be the duo they had hoped for. We need to see more consistency. And and I will say the same thing about Justin and about Sam Howell. Not so much Desmond Ritter um, that I said about Tua. Let's give him some time. Like, let's see what happens. And even for Desmond, let's see after 17 games, what kind of data do we have? How many games did he look good? How many day, how many games did he look really good? Because you know what? Justin Fields looked really good. And if you look really good, I'm sorry. I'm going to give you as many chances as I can because you're probably going to have the opportunity to put it all together at some point. And because of that, the Bears have to be one of the best teams on this list that I like. It just happens to be that they also hold two top five picks, presumptively. Um, that also really helps that narrative. Because at the end of the season, you can choose. Is Fields the guy? If he is, okay, we double down again and possibly trade out of one of those positions. Or we draft Caleb Williams if that happens to be the, the play. And we use him as a trade piece if if Fields you know, isn't the guy next year. But they have to be in the best position, I think. Uh, they don't have all the weapons that I would like. I think the Falcons in that conversation have a, a much better built roster right now. But out of all of these teams... Because of the draft picks, I like the Bears a lot. Um, and I think I probably like the Giants just last to the Patriots. I think the Patriots are my least favorite in the list we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, I think the, the two draft picks are obvious for the Bears, right? But at the end of the day, too, like, you know, not to get into full offseason talk, but they have a ton of cap space where it's going there. And Matt Sayfields is good. And they're like, nah, fuck it, dude. We got our shot at Caleb Williams. We're bailing on him. You look at one of these purgatory teams, you know, oh, uh, hey, the Raiders, 
all right, Raiders, give us your next year's first round pick, maybe a second, maybe a player, and we'll give you Justin Fields to go down there and throw balls to Devontae Adams. Right. Yeah. Like they're, they're in a really advantageous spot if Fields does continue to play well and honestly get DJ more the ball. Like that's all he really has to do. If he can show that he can play well with a top 15 wide receiver in the league, he's going to be fine somewhere else. You know, um, who else do you have on this list so we can have a full open discussion? I kind of jumped into it too fast. That's okay. So we talked a little bit about Giants. Giants are going to be on this list. We yeah. kind of move past the Bears now. Um, Raiders were also on this list. I think we touched on that enough earlier to to really cover that. Like the entire premise of this conversation you and I are having for you know for the listeners' understanding is like where is the team currently at? Uh, like what does their construction look like? What's their trajectory? Do they have hope or do they not? Uh, Raiders we covered. Uh, Broncos are on here. Patriots are on here. Titans are on here. We kind of covered that. Like. Kirk Cousins could be that change. And if not, I think for the Titans, they've already wasted enough capital in, in players and they they won't be in the quarterback sweepstakes. Uh, Vikings as well and Cardinals, Rams. And I think we should talk Panthers, even though they don't have a first round pick. Okay, cool. Um, gut reaction to the list when you brought it up before this was obviously a lot of this stuff is directly correlated to the quarterback position, but more importantly, the teams I'm more optimistic on here are the ones with quarterbacks, not on a contract, right? I feel like that's what puts you at a massive advantage for one of these teams. You know, even like that's why I have new England a little bit higher up is they're not tied down to a hundred million dollar deal. Like the Cardinals are right now. Everyone says Kyler Murray is going to get traded. Okay. Where, how, when why right like it's not a foregone conclusion the team like the cardinals are going to trade him you look at carolina yeah their own five don't have their pick but they have a young quarterback who's showing promise and making a ton of mistakes you know like it is what it is but you look at denver you look at the giants you look at minnesota um look at vegas right man they're tied into some ugly bad terrible contracts that they can't get out of. And that is a scary, scary thought, knowing that you can't really add too many pieces in free agency. You're going to have to strike gold with the draft. And all those teams outside of Minnesota play in incredible divisions. So it's not getting any easier. Well, and I think the really good case study from my perspective here to look at is the Giants. They had a couple nice draft classes. They still struggled to bring in weapons or even elite level weapons one singular for daniel jones and then they had a decision to make do, do we pay him or not and yeah. they were afraid to rebuild and i think it's a absolute mistake because you were able to get neil as well as the defensive uh edge Thibodeau. rush Thibodeau yeah. last year uh Thibodeau had a really nice year neil looks lost at times on film and those are floating around social media right now i'd have to do i would have to look more uh, he, we loved him coming out of the draft. He should have been a home run pick, and it hasn't really turned out that way. So I really need to dive deep and see, was he a miss? Is he a bust? But you were building a foundation of a winning football team, and we were not 100% that Daniel Jones was the guy. And I think the team genuinely was afraid to go with a secondary option and let Daniel go or have the issue of we franchise tag him and now there's drama. And I just think it was a massive mistake. And I think the Vikings, as you alluded to earlier, are probably looking at that situation as well and saying, hey, age is obviously different with Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins, 
But if we sign Kirk Cousins, we sign ourselves up for the same kind of purgatory. And I, I don't know where the Giants go from here. It's a bad, bad team. There's absolutely no help coming. They need weapons. And I think they honestly need a different quarterback uh, because he is not going to be able to be successful without weapons around him. And I just don't see them being able to surround him with enough weapons that makes him a truly effective NFL quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I, I've still yet to see him win a game against a team that's better than him. Look like he's a competent quarterback in big situations. Uh, said it last year during the playoffs. It was a fluke. Nah, not a fluke. That's disrespectful. It wasn't a surprise that he looked good against Minnesota in that playoff game last year because Minnesota was the most overrated team in the NFL last season with a piss poor defense that obviously let them down at the first chance that they had last year in the postseason. Um, you think the same thing like about the Denver Broncos, right, Matt? There's rumors coming out that anyone on their defense is up and available for trading even Patrick Sertan, which is just insane to me, right? You dump all this money into Russell Wilson. You have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, who's a little bit banged up. Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons, a really, really solid defense. And there's nothing going on there. No cohesion, no teamwork. This is the worst defense they've had probably in franchise history, or it's up there. And there's no solution in sight. And... Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, but this is a unique situation. The GM and the head coach are tied together. Um, and I think the only way to save jobs at this point is to burn it down before it burns down with them inside the building. And I think that's why when you talk about no cohesion, they're willing to scrap everyone except probably Russell because of the money that is attached to him and what it would do to sure. the cap. I think their mentality is probably let's go full rebuild. We met, we met, we messed up with Russ. We gave up picks to get you, Sean. But if we can accumulate enough assets back here, we can make this a five to seven year window as opposed to seasons over. We're both fired. And whoever comes in next is going to do that anyways. They're really stuck in a hard position here where they're lucky is that they have their first round pick this year. They have the rights to their own first round pick they do not have their second and their third and their fourth are both pick swaps so they really just have one good pick this year and they have to absolutely hammer it but because of that there's also no help coming and i think they're gonna have to just rebuild this team from the foundation get some of these players out that have a really bad blood towards not only what happened last year but now it is happening under peyton and start to let Peyton build this roster the way he wants it to be. So moving forward, he can start to try and have success under the system that he knew so well in New Orleans. Yeah, that's actually a good point because they weren't the ones to make the shitty Russell Wilson trade, yep. right? And they're obviously tied to that contract and Peyton is a hard ass. So he basically called his team shitty at the beginning of the season and Look, they are shitty, but that's obviously not good for the locker room. I think you make a really good point there because there's no there's no issue for them in rebuilding. And that looks like the only thing that matters because at the end of the day, this roster construction up against everyone in the AFC West, including the Raiders, they're fucked. It doesn't matter. They're done. Um, I think that's what they're gonna do. I think you really hit something there, Matt. And I well, think and they can so actually I think they can actually build a good roster though. 
they just need to get rid of the guys that were supposed to be stars that just aren't. And I yep. like Judy in Sutton, Sutton and uh, obviously we love Javante Williams here, but why not just get a ton of assets? See you in two seasons. Yeah, and I think Sertan's the type of guy that really expedites a rebuild. Um, yeah. And it sucks because he is the he's an emerging young shutdown corner. Like he's in the conversation for one of the best in the league. And, you know, as a team, you don't want to give up on that. But when you put that on the trade market and you're seeing a first and a second or a first and a third and a fourth, and you're talking about three NFL starting players that can help change the foundation of where your team is. Sometimes you got to do that and you just got to bite the bullet and know that like mistakes were made. And, and that's a player that's got to be out there. And you brought up Judy and I think Judy's a great name. He's been shopped around for two years now and they've constantly been asking for a first round pick. It's time to ask for a second. And if yeah. all teams are only willing to give you a third, you take the third. Um, he just didn't pan out the way we all expected him to. And injuries have been a really big part of that. I think culture as well as quarterback play could play into that, but he needs a fresh start. Corlin Sutton can probably get you a third, maybe even a second right now. If a, if a contender really wants to take that shot, like the chiefs, a late second round pick would be nice for Sutton. And you really, like you said, you start to build two, three, four second rounders. Maybe you get two firsters. Now you're talking about six, seven NFL starters. That's a great start for the 2024 season. Yeah, and Judy is interesting, but to your point, like asking for first, Adams went for a first and a second, dude. Yeah. Tyreek Hill went for a first, what, like three seconds and a third or something like that. Judy, Judy's not on the same stratosphere as nope. those two players, right? And those were the two most recent trades um, in the NFL for wide receivers. So I, I agree. I think I think you're really onto something there. I think they are going to fully scrap it. You make a really good point about the GM and the head coach not tied to anyone there, which is also well, what's super interesting about Chicago because it's the same thing. Last point, and this is something uh, um, a Dolphins fan brought up for me this week. That defense really started to change when Bradley Chubb was traded. Yeah. And I don't think enough people in the NFL knew what he may have meant for that defense. And he hasn't been great for Miami. This is a secondhand nature from a Dolphins fan because I haven't watched as many Dolphins games as I would have liked. But you trade your best pass rusher. The first round first round pick, top, I think top five, no top 10 for sure, Chubb was. And you leave the secondary that was so good, kind of hang out to dry. And that was something that I think really should have been looked at more heavily and wasn't. And we may look back in years and say that was the turning point for what this really good defense had been under Vic Fangio now to being one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah, bro. Totally agree. Uh, super big trade, and it was interesting. Uh, another team that made a big trade a few years ago, your Motor City Detroit Lions. Um, not only are they 4-1, and one, Jared Goff looks like a pro bowler, and it's not even a debate to me anymore. Through five weeks in the season, the third best team in the NFC is 100% the Detroit Lions. What they bring to the table every single week throughout their style. Jack can Jack Campbell, Dan Campbell, um, their game plan, their coaching, their execution, their intensity. They are I I genuinely think they're the only team in the NFC right now that can compete with the Niners and the Eagles. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Niners on Sunday. I'm not saying in the NFC championship game, but you put those two teams up. It's less than a three point spread. 
and they have the guys on defense that can compete and their offense is dynamic enough. Uh, we'll see. St. Brown is already hurt. Uh, Gibbs is hurt. We know we got Montgomery who's looking good, but there's something special happening in Detroit. This, the NFL is interesting because the window is now. And I think that was my biggest mistake as a Packer fan for all these years is thinking like, well, we have so much time to win a title. No, your, your time is now when you're good. And this might be the year for Detroit to make some crazy magic happen that you and I haven't seen in our lifetime. I love this Lions team too. They're, they're phenomenal. Well, and talk about a team that's nailed their drafts. Um, you know, that's something yeah. that I wish I came to the table with today, but you have Sewell, home run, right? Amunra St. Brown, home run. Uh, the tight end out of Iowa, home run. Gibbs, Hutchinson. looks like he's going to be a really good player. Hutchinson, home run. By pure luck, they were they were the ones to be able to take him uh, with Walker going first overall. And you talked about Campbell. Uh, I think it is Jack Campbell, actually, for the middle linebacker. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, very, yeah. been very good. Whenever I watch a Lions game, he is all over the so place, much. and he absolutely wraps. Um, they've done such a great job at roster construction, and I think it really started with the Stafford for golf trade. I don't know that there's many times in the NFL when a trade works out really well for both sides. You saw the Super Bowl champion Rams bring it home with Stafford. You've seen the emergence of this Lions team under Goff player that we weren't sure was going to be starting quarterback after the trade, a player that we kind of laughed at and said, well, you know, his career's over. They are sending him to Detroit. And here we are a couple of years later talking about how he's really changed the narrative of not only his career, but the city and this team. And I, I just think all the way around, I'm happy to watch a team that did things the right way and built a really competitive roster. And I think will only continue to be competitive. Uh, just this past draft class, you have Gibbs, you have Campbell, you have Branch, you have Laporta. I mean, those are four NFL starters right there and four very good starters as looking right now. And moving forward, this team is just going to get better in a very bad division as it stands right now. They can separate themselves the next three or four years. But as you said, the window is now. I think the window is now. And the only way I see them kind of jumping up into even a higher tier is if Williams, that's Jamison Williams, can take a step forward. I've been a little disappointed so far in what I've seen from him in the couple of years he's been in the league. I still think he has the talent, and if he can be that third-level weapon that we've always talked about, this team could get even better down the stretch. Yeah, totally, and I think they're the, one of the buyers in the market for the Jerry Judys of the world, right? For any of these defensive guys, in Denver that they're allegedly looking to shop out there. If they could somehow get on Simmons, if they could somehow get Pat Sertan, if he's really on the block, um, they're one more pro bowler, I think on the defensive side of the ball away from something really special out there. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll just keep banging this drum for the rest of the season. You as the Detroit lions don't wait till next year this this is their shot at a title this year. It really is. Like this is the best chance that they're going to have that they've had in the past 30 years. Well, and I think the the name you threw out was Sertan. Like this is the chance for the Lions to really go and seal it up. I think it was Ward uh this past week tore his ACL again. Um are you familiar with this Matt? Oh, yes, I saw that. He yep. just came back. It was his first game back, right? Yep. Tore his opposite ACL. Um yep. And he's out, right? I mean, one year, $6 million deal. He was supposed to be a starting 
caliber player for them. And obviously coming back as the first game, they had gotten through enough weeks without him where they were like, okay, we're comfortable. Now he's back. We're good. This is this is the moment as a team where you're like, okay, do we just slap some putty on it the rest of the year and move forward? Or do we go out and get Patrick Sertan? Do we give up a first and a third and we say, screw it, we're all in, right? We're going to really bring this team home with a big acquisition like this. And, and I really, really, really hope I see it. I, I would love for him to enter that kind of competitive um, football nature with the Lions. And I think he'd be a great Lion. And that's what they need. That's what the one thing they've been lacking. And we've been talking about it since the kid from Ohio State, fifth overall, busted out. Um, they need a dominant lockdown corner and it will change this team. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look at look at the NFL and the way the Super Bowls have worked out the past five, six years, Matt. It's the teams that are going all in that are winning or the teams with the legacy quarterback that is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, a la Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. Like unless you have Mahomes or a Joe Burrow who still lost to the team that went all in, right? The Rams just said literally their GM said, fuck those picks went and got Odell Beckham, went out there, signed Vaughn Miller, right? You look at Tampa Bay, did the same thing. Brady's coming to Tampa. Let's go get Gronk. Let's get Fournette. Let's get a Brown. Let's get all the boys back together and have the best actual best roster on the field and see if anyone else can beat you. That is how to win a title in the NFL nowadays. That is the roster construction that you have to have if you don't have Mahomes pretty much, right? And I think this is what the Lions should do, man. I think I think it's worth the first and third for Pat Sertan. I do. And, and I really think that puts them up with Philly and the Niners. Like, okay, we have a lockdown corner. There's Ayuk. He's out of the game. Let's try and shut down McCaffrey, right? The, the Niners, it's going to be a tough task. Let's. I'm not trying to undersell that. But they need more star power to win it now. And they're not guaranteed to be in this position they're in now next year. Well, the other problem, and I think when you brought up the Packers earlier, it's it's a really good selling point for what's happening with this Lions team because I do think this Lions team has a, a big window. Um, the problem is when you tell yourself, okay, we're we're for Packers' perspective, we're a defense and a, a maybe a corner and a rush end away from being a decent defense. Well, when you're drafting 23rd, 24th, 27th, 28th every single exactly. year, you're not getting elite level starters. You're getting starters, if that even at times. And I think the Lions will be in that position for a couple of years now, which is alluding to that window. And if you can go out and get a guy that was a top 10 pick in Sertan, a guy that is a top 10 corner in today's NFL, and you can give up a first and a third while drafting in the back half of both of those rounds, you go and you make that deal immediately because you are not finding a player like him in free agency and you are not drafting a player like him unless you are very lucky. And I yep. think this is an opportunity for them to really change the course uh, of what that current roster looks like. And I think it would make them competitive with both the Eagles and the 49ers. We Definitely. are still early. Uh, injuries happen. And a lot to shake out where this Lions team could be in 13 weeks. For sure. And the, and the Eagles secondary is really, really in trouble right now. But you even think, like, now that I'm looking at the list here, man, like, you think about the Niners. They just traded for McCaffrey last year. Did the same thing we're talking about. Hey, yep. we had a guy go down. Our quarterback's fucking hurt. We got to get rid of Trey Lance. Fuck it. We're going to go trade for 
arguably the best player in football, McCaffrey. And yep. we're going to bring him. And now we have Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and him, you know, right? Philadelphia Eagles, same thing. Oh, we're pretty good. Fuck our pick. We're going to get A.J. Brown. We've got Devontae Smith. Ah, let's go sign Swift. Oh, let's go move up and get Jalen Carter. Ah, shit. You know what? Let's go get Darius Slay. It's like, this is how you win in the league now. You got the best players out there on the field. You're going to win the games, right? It's going to cost picks. It's going to cost money. But if you have, if you're three quarters of the way there, you push forward the other team up at the top of the list right now at the top of the standings, the Dolphins. What did they do, Matt? Same shit. They went and drafted Waddle early. Traded their picks, got Tyreek Hill, went out. Jalen Ramsey, who hasn't played yet, but's coming back, went out just like you were talking about with your boy. Uh, Dylan, shout out. Got Chubb, right? They're not fucking around and waiting. They're like, yep. nope, we have the money. We have the talent. We're a few pieces away and one good coach from making that leap to playing in an AFC championship game where teams like the Bengals, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Bills just kind of sit and hover and they're like, ah, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let our middle linebacker leave and not replace him. And we'll see how it goes. Right. We'll, we'll let Hollywood Brown walk and we'll draft, you know, we'll draft Bateman and a couple other guys and see how it goes. And, and you start to see what happens, you know, they just sit in the same spot and end up drafting 22, 23, 24, just like we know so well getting solid players, but no one that's changing their franchise. Well, and, and I, I think it's a balance. And this will be my last take on it is that I think it's a balance. I think the Rams were too aggressive. Totally. Uh, it got my championship and I understand bangers hang forever, but <laughs> they were, they were a little too aggressive in my opinion. Um, that could ultimately have negative ramifications for a long time. And that we're going to have to let time play out, you know, for that really to be evaluated properly. I, I think they're very competitive this year and I am surprised by that, but there are holes all over the field. Um, absolutely nailing the Puka tr- draft pick was, that helps. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge help totally. when you can bring a starting wide receiver in uh, in the th- third round. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a balance. I love what the Dolphins have done. I absolutely love what um, I think it's Howie Roseman or Howie Rosenthal in, in uh, Philadelphia has done it for the Eagles. He is just a mastermind. Yep. You have some teams to definitely look at as the kind of the stable here. And like Eagles, Dolphins, Rams. How can we find the perfect balance? Niners. Um, The Lions have an opportunity to really shake things up. Totally. I agree. Go Lions. Hey, honestly, since the Packers are going to suck, like I might hop on the bandwagon with you. I don't. There's no one else up there that I'm going to be genuinely happy for if they win. Promise you that. Yeah. Even though we we were watching the Niners game. As beautiful football it is to watch, we're still sitting there like, God, I hate the Niners and a lot of their fans. Well, no, 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 a decent amount of good Niner fans. No, a lot of bad ones, though. Yeah. And and it's I will say the only takeaway from that game was, wow, watching the Niners from a different perspective, because like I'm not worried about them beating our ass in the playoffs. They're so very, very good football team. That's not a shitty team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap it up. We're at about 60. All right, guys. uh, We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Cheers. Woo.